live in such an interesting world of advancements, don't we? It's interesting. We have smartphones. We have smart refrigerators. Are you kidding me? Do we really need smart refrigerators? We have smart watches. We have um, Alexa and Siri, right? Uh, whenever uh, they figure out what we're actually saying. I don't know. I, found, I find Siri I have to repeat over and over again. Um, but, but, you know, we have all these smart things, but... But I'm learning that one of the smartest things that I can do is hear the voice of God, right? How desperate we are to hear the voice of God. And it's interesting, in, in the midst of all of our advancements, uh, we're living in this society that's becoming more and more distracted at God's voice. And in fact, it's interesting because, because you have a growing number of people that are even questioning whether God speaks at all or whether he even exists at all. It's interesting because, you know, when you think about the Pew Research, I, I'm kind of a nerd. I look at some of that and, and this research that is done, and, and you, you find that there's a growing number of, of people, and according to Pew Research, called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And those are people that are, that are affiliating with nothing when it comes to their belief in God. And this is growing in our culture. And when I think about who we serve, we serve the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the only God who speaks. You know, there's only one God. You know that, right? We're going to look at that a little bit next week. Um, but, but uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, God, God is speaking. God speaks today. This, this week, I, I went back to, to preach this funeral. I went back to my home church, and, and I got to preach Bob Brown's funeral. And it was, a, it was kind of a cool thing. Eric, my son Eric and I, we both... We're leading in this, and, and Bob uh, was, we were family friends, and, and when I was five, he saved my life, literally, saved my life. We were at the lake, and, and uh, our families were at the lake, and I, uh, I don't remember this, but my mom does. I was five, and, and uh, we had tied the boats up, and, and everybody was going up to the cabin at the lake, and, and here I was as a five-year-old. I just decided I'm going to jump off the back of the boat, and I do. I jump off the back. Bob's the only one down there. He sees me, and uh, he dives off the back of the boat, and I'm under. I mean, I'm, I'm at the bottom and in the murky lake. And he tears up his toe diving in for me and, uh, and gets me, and I'm flailing and flipping out, you know, they said. And, uh, and you know, so I, I go back Tuesday to preach his funeral, and I'm standing at South Lindsay Baptist Church at the pulpit. And as I'm standing there, I, I was just... I grew up there. I was there nine months before I was born. I went to South Lindsay. I, I, I was in that building so often in my life. I didn't realize I could miss church. You know, my parents were, uh, uh, were Christian. I mean, my parents, my dad was a deacon, and my mom was the church librarian, and, and, and we were there all the time, you know. As a, and and I, I just thought about the many times God spoke to me in that place. It was meaningful to me because God spoke to me. And I want us to recognize that God speaks, but it's not like Alexis or Siri. We, we don't call on God, and he's waiting at our every whim and every word. It's, it's us that are submitting to his voice, not God submitting to ours. Now, this is important because we live in a culture that doesn't understand the voice of God. In the book of Samuel, last week, we were, we, we've seen, and we're, we're in this book, and it's such a, an important book for us to study in, in the Old Testament, because uh, last week we saw Hannah, and she had this worship of God that was right, 
that was that that she was hearing the the Lord and and then you have these characters you have Eli and and we've heard about him today already in just the scripture reading Eli and his sons Hophni and Phineas um, they they are these interesting leaders in the church in the in the temple in, in God among God's people that and they were in trouble and and they faced some serious consequences because of their sin and it's interesting as we look at this and and you look at chapter 2, you see the reasons why Eli's household falls and, and, and eventually it, it, it fails and, and falls completely and is, is wiped off the face of the earth. Eli's line is wiped off. And, and, um, and it was necessary for God to raise up Samuel. And we've got to remember this. We're in the, the last judge. I mean, we're in the book. We just finished the, well, if you follow the timeline of Scripture, judges had just finished. And, and, and the, the people were in the state of rebellion. God was, had not spoken for a, for a while. And, and now Samuel is being raised up. He's the very last judge in the, in the timeline of God's people. And it's interesting Chapter 3 reveals the fact that Samuel was, was not only going to be a priest, he's going to be a prophet as well. And, 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 and the role in the office of prophet are in Deuteronomy 13 and chapter 18. These reveal the role of the prophet and what they were, were called to do. And, and at the time of Hannah and Elkanah, the, the, the prophetic word was limited. People weren't hearing the voice of God. The, when you see in this the language, the word of the Lord and visions, it indicates prophetic activity where, where God was speaking and revealing himself. And, and, and I want you to think about it. At this time in the, in the history of, of God's people, they were not able to hear a word of encouragement from God. And isn't, it, isn't it important to come to church and hear encouragement? You know, to hear the, when, when God speaks, it's a word of encouragement. But let me tell you, they not only um, were unable to hear words of encouragement, they were also unable to hear words of rebuke from God. Now, now let's stop for a second. It's important to come to church and encourage one another, right? That's important. But it's also important to come to church and hear rebukes. So, so we must not turn away the rebukes of God. Because if, if, as we walk with the Lord, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm, I'm often in, in the Word of God going, ha, ah, i got to change that. That's a rebuke from the Lord. Now think about the, the timeline of God's people in the time of Samuel. They were not able to hear words of encouragement, but they were also not able to hear words of rebuke. And both of those are very, very important. And so let's, let's remember that. The next time you feel a deep sense of conviction... Thank the Lord for that. That's a blessing when you're convicted. And, and so let's not fall into that trap of, oh, well, I just want to go to the Lord when I'm encouraged or I feel better. Recognize there are times God, on purpose, allows us to feel discomfort. So let's not push that away. Let's lean into that. Let, let's recognize that discomfort is often a blessing for us. That's important. Now, now what's interesting is, is from the beginning, God told his people through Moses that, look, I want you to follow my commands. Follow my word. Now, I want you to turn over to a passage. It's not on the screen or in your notes, but turn to Deuteronomy 34, 27. This struck me. This struck me. Deuteronomy 34, 27. This is when Moses was talking 
about, look, the, the word of God is important. He said to them, verse, verse um, um, maybe it's 46, sorry, I think 46. Not, uh, he said to them, take heart all the words which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Look at verse 47. So, so, so Moses says, you got to do all the words, verse 47. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you're going over to the Jordan to possess. So, so we've got to recognize that God's word is, is life to us. And this is why I pray that we are a people that, that, that pay attention to the, the Word of God. We recognize when God speaks and how He's speaking. And I want you to recognize that, that God is speaking in the world that, that, and that His voice to us is our very life. And that's so important for us. Now, when you, when you think about this, at this time, the voice of God was like a needle in a haystack. And, and we've got to recognize what's going on in the history of God's people and what's going on in, in the book of Samuel. And, 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 and even the priests at, at Shiloh, they, they were so rebellious. You see, we're going to see Hophni and Phinehas and Eli. And, and, and so many were, uh, of God's people were distracted by their own sin. And I want you to know, sin distracts us from, the, from hearing God. Sin is a battle. Now, now we got to recognize this is a message to God's people, okay? These are, these are people that, that are, are followers of the one true God. And it is possible for us to be uh, followers of God, and, and we know Christ as our Savior, and, and our sin distracts us. Our sin uh, um, causes us to struggle and, and not hear God. They, the, the, the God's people, they were distracted by, by their own sin. They were distracted by the Philistines around them. We're going to encounter through this book the Philistines and their enemies, and we have enemies. Next week is a really, really cool story that, that I just can't wait to preach next week. But, um, but, but we're often distracted by the ungodly in our lives. We're distracted by all the, the sin in our lives. And, and it's important to recognize this. In the time of Samuel, the, the, God's people were struggling to focus on the Lord, which is a temptation for all of us. Now let's look back at chapter 2. And, and as we do uh, of, of 1 Samuel chapter 2, um, point number one is this, if you're following along, sin and rebellion produce devastating consequences. And we have to see this. Sin is, is devastating for us. It's, and, and we fall into this trap so often that sin is no big deal. But it is. It's devastating for you. J Jesus said, John 10, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so let's not justify sin. God's judgment was deserved. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. Eli was this man with failing vision. He was struggling. And, and look at verse 12 now of chapter, chapter 2. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now these guys were worthless. They, these, were, these were serving in the temple. These were like your ministers in your life. They were worthless men. And when I read this, I feel deep conviction in my own life of walking with the Lord and trusting the Lord. 
and being a, uh, and, and as I think about our staff, I pray that, and I, I, we want to push our staff to walk with Jesus. But when you look at these men, it's, they were worthless men. This is a warning. What were they doing? They were going through the religious motions. And this is, in all through scripture, we are warned about just coming to church and going through the motions. And, and, and verse 13, the custom of the priest with the people was that when any, any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would thrust it into the pan or kettle or the cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Verse 15, moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And the man said to him, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish. And he would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Okay, this is a big deal. You know, Leviticus 7, Leviticus 10, Deuteronomy 8, Moses had given very clear instructions for the priests when it came to the sacrifices and the meat sacrificed to the, to, to the Lord. And Hophni and Phinehas were like, hey, I want my... They were, they were pigs. They were gluttons. They were, they were going through the religious motions. And in, in many ways, um, they, they were kind of like practical atheists. They, they, were, they were religious by, by duty or I got to go do this, but they really didn't believe the Lord. And I think about how so many people, I don't want you to come here as a practical atheist. You come give lip service to God but yet you go out of here and you don't acknowledge the Lord at all in your life. There's a reason Luke 12 says, hey, don't fear those who can kill the body. You ought to fear the one who has authority over eternity. That's the Lord. And we are a people. We must be a people that say, God, we submit to you. We're going to follow you. We're going to surrender to you. There's a warning here against against going through the religious motions. There's also a warning of treating repentance flippantly and disrespectfully. That's what they were doing. These people were coming to make sacrifices to the Lord. And these priests were just treating it flippantly. And, and you know, they, they were showing disrespect. And, and they were not being faithful ministers. And, and, and you know, th- there's a reason that God's judgment was coming. Verse 22, now Eli was very old and kept hearing all that his sons were doing. Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the, at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he, and he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil de- dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it's, it's, it's no good. It is no good report that I hear of the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to their voice of their father. For it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now, we got to recognize, there's so many people that say, oh, well, God is gracious. He, he's just great. And, and he, is. he is. He is more gracious than we deserve. But let me tell you something. The way you live matters. How you live matters. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we are to pay attention to the way we live. 
Now, we don't live to earn our way to heaven. We don't, God, I cannot earn my way to heaven. Don't miss that. But because I've been, I know Christ as my Savior, it impacts the way we live. This is why the, the challenge with our platform is to walk with the Lord every day, to be a people that seek the Lord every day. There's a warning here. There's a warning about treat, treating uh, forgiveness flippantly. There's an, a, a, a warning here about ignoring rebellion. That's what, he, that's what Eli was doing. He was ignoring rebellion. And especially when it comes to forgiveness. Remember, remember the, the, when Jesus was in the temple in Matthew, Matthew 21? He's in the temple. Remember that? He goes into the temple. What were they doing? They were, they were, they were, they were selling forgiveness. They were, they were raising the price of the pigeons. And, and, the, and, and, and these people in the temple were crooked. And they were charging people. They were making a profit as people came to make sacrifices to God. And it royally ticked Jesus off. And you know what he did? They, 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 some say though that table was, was about 400 pounds. Now, now Jesus was uh, not Superman. You know, he was God-man. But, but he limited his powers. But let me tell you something. Jesus walked in the temple that day. You know what he did? He grabbed that table and he turned it over. He says, Matthew 21, 12, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. So, so man, he went, he was ticked. I mean, he, I mean, imagine someone, I mean, watching Jesus walking in, throwing chairs. I mean, it's like the basketball coach. What was his name, the Indiana basketball coach? What was that guy's name? Bobby Knight. Yeah, Bobby Knight. He went Bobby Knight on everybody in the temple. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. God cares about sin. God cares about how we act. God cares if we treat for forgiveness flippantly. Oh, we got to hear that. We got to let that sink in. And, and you know, it's tragic when ministers are irresponsible with the call of God. I must. I pray that I never am. It's tragic when a spiritual leader, a father, is irresponsible with his children. And, and boy, that's all. If you're a dad in this room, let's not be irresponsible with our children of just overlooking sin and rebellion. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, and so look, dads, let's not be rebellious ourselves. Let's not be flipping ourselves when it comes to the Lord. Hophnius and Phineas, they had no respect for the Lord, the office of their father the high priest. And so what did God say? I'm going to replace you with somebody faithful. And that's why he raised up Samuel. Look at verse 27. And there came a man from God who said to Eli, hey, let me tell you something, Eli. A man of God comes and says to him, and I don't know if he did this privately. I bet he did. He said, Eli, you're in trouble. Your name is going to be wiped out. And Eli's like, I've, I've messed up. I've gone too far. And, and let me tell you something. You can go too far. It's like what I've tried to tell my kids as they've been in my house. I, you know, I've said to them, you, you can lose. You can, you can royally screw up your life. Don't. And we've got to recognize that. Not everybody gets a trophy in the world, in eternity, in life. 
And so there is a warning. Come to Jesus. Surrender to his voice. And we see this over and over again. Eli's house was judged. And, and we see this. Now, now often when it comes to hearing the voice of God, we're, we're looking for handwriting on the wall or, or we're looking for some, some oh, I want to hear God's voice. There's going to be some, uh, I'm going to look up in the clouds and see a picture or, a, or something like that. And, and, you know, there are times that God speaks in these really supernatural ways. Like, for instance, when I was at the, I get to serve on the International Mission Board. And, folks, let me tell you something. That's one of the best things that we do as Southern Baptists. I love how we're sending missionaries all over the world. And, and I was at a meeting in, in November, and, and one of our area group leaders, and he's, he's just, these are just amazing people that walk with the Lord, and he tells this story. He goes, i got to tell you something that God has done. They're in a Muslim country, and, and there's this Muslim man that they were, they were sharing the gospel with, and, and, and they're saying, look, you need to come. We, we, we want to tell you about Jesus and what he's done for you. And, and this man is like, God is, I need to find him. I need to seek him. And, and um but he's, he's investigating, is, is, it, is, it, is it the God of the Bible? And one night, he, he has this dream, and there's a number, and he can't make out the whole number. The next night, he has the same dream, and there's more of the number. The third night, he has the same dream, there's more of the same number. And, 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 and in this dream, this, me, this, this messenger says, this person with this phone number has a message you need to hear about the God who is seeking you. He dreams about a number. He calls the number. And it's one of our missionaries that lives there. And he's like, I'm supposed to call you. I've had a dream three nights with your telephone number. And I look at that in my rational mind and go, dude, Whatever. But let me tell you something, God is able to do this. But can I tell you, one of the most clear ways God has spoken to us is through his word. And, and, and this is why we need to understand it. And, and, and God is wonderfully diverse in how he speaks. But let me tell you something, the key way God has spoken to us is through his word. So look at Samuel 3.1. Let's look at this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So we've got to catch this. It's rare for God to speak. Now let's look how God spoke. We merely read this for us. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for your servant called me. But he said, I didn't call you. Go lie down again. So he went, to, went and lay down. Imagine Eli's like, Dude, I'm trying to sleep. Go, go back to bed, kid. Because Samuel's probably seven or eight years old. We don't know. And, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Now Eli's probably getting... Have you ever been woken up like this at night? I bet Eli's going, I, I want to go to sleep. 
quit bothering me. But then Eli recognizes. He perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli recognized this. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you again, calls to you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant he hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling his other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now, folks, that's, that's big. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to the end. Now, now Samuel didn't know what God had said to Eli. But he says, I'm going to fulfill everything I've said to him. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel, Eli went too far. There's several things to learn here, and let me point some things out. Point two is this, God rewards faithfulness. We see this. And all through Samuel's life, we see that, that he keeps an attentive ear to listening to the Lord. Now, Samuel had some failures. We'll look at those. But, but Samuel keeps this attentive ear listening to the Lord. And this is a lesson for us. I pray that we have an attentive ear listening to the Lord. It's why I, I, I come to this every time we come to worship. I, I have an ec- attitude of expectation. God, you are going to speak today. And, and I pray we are attentive to the Lord. And, and it's possible, some say he was 8, some say he was 12. Samuel's 12 years old. We don't, we don't know exactly his age, but he's young. And here's this, this young boy that gets this word from the Lord, and, and he's got these bad leaders in his life. He's living with them. But we see in Samuel, he he developed an obedient will to obey the Lord quickly. And this is what I pray we do. I pray we obey the Lord quickly. I pray that we are a people that say, God, I will do whatever you say whenever you say it. And, And I pray that we are quick to respond to the voice of the Lord. Do that in your life. Let's let's push one another to be quick, quick to obey the Lord. And and you know, Samuel does this. He's quick to, to obey the Lord. Eli says, hey, Samuel, uh, when, when God says something to you again, say, okay, here I am, Lord. I'm quick. He was quick to listen. And when you look at the life of Samuel, he, he, he cultivated this humble heart. He was grateful to serve the Lord in big and small things, whether it was, oh, Eli, what do you need? Look how quickly, the, the second he hears a voice, he goes to Eli, Eli, what do you need? Eli, what do you need? And this is the heart of Samuel. He was quick. He was humble. And sometimes we want to serve the Lord in big things, but we need to be quick to serve the Lord in big and small things. You know, usually it's, the, it's serving the Lord in the small things before we allow or are allowed to serve in the big things. Let's practice. What else did he do? You see him growing in a godly walk with the Lord. He's learning to live this life that's 
worthy of that calling. And it's my life, my life verse is Ephesians 4.1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Folks, this is the example of Samuel. And Samuel, what did he do? Verse, verse 15, Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli, tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am, his quick obedience. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. And he says, may God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Eli or Samuel's going, well, I don't want God to do more than he's going to do to you because you're in trouble, big boy. You are in trouble. And so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And what does Eli say? It is the Lord. Let him. Let him do what seems good to him. Now, there's part of Eli that you got to respect. Because he's like, all right, I'll admit it. I've messed up. Lord, do what you will. In verse 19, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was an established prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And you know what we see in this? You know what's important today? You know that God still speaks to people. He still speaks. And the words of God are life to us. John 10. You know, you remember John 10, right? When Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He says in verse 3 of John 10, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Do you know that's normal for God to speak to you? For God to lead you? For God to guide you? He says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. We got to recognize God speaks. And, and how does he speak? In the book of Samuel, we see that, that this, the, the amazing truth that the God of the universe, the God who, who every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, is faithful to speak to you and to me. And he, what does he speak about? He speaks about his love for us. He speaks about his plan for us. Don't you, aren't you desperate to know the plan of God? Aren't you desperate to know what he wants you to do? You know what he also speaks about? He speaks about our sin. And this is why it humbles us, it moves us, and this is why we've got to lean in when God encourages us and when God rebukes us. How does God speak? The, the whole Bible reveals God's plan to heal our sin, to guide our lives. And, and he speaks through his Holy Spirit. 
Jesus told us this. God's going to speak to his Holy Spirit in John 16, 12 and 13. I have, he says this, I, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but where, where, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. God speaks by his Spirit, guiding us and leading us. God speaks to the church. That's why... why it's important to be a part of a local body, a local church, because, you know, all over, all over Owasso, there are some great churches. There are some men that I know that are preaching the gospel. And, and you know, we, I preached a funeral here Friday, Barry Autry's funeral, and, and there was a, some guys from First Christian. And, you know, we disagree some on theology, but let me tell you something, we're on the same team with those guys. And, folks, there are messages being preached all over at this moment. But let me tell you something. God has you here for something specific for you and me. I'm grateful. God speaks through the church. God speaks through people, doesn't he? There are times that God will speak through people. Like, like Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. That there will be people that will admonish you and teach you, and, and God does this. God speaks through people. God speaks through circumstances, doesn't he? There are times that God will speak through, he'll work out circumstances in your life. And I, I've seen this over and over again. I mean, this morning I, I was just thinking about, um, Lord, what, what do I tell? Which story could I tell about when you've spoken to me? And, and I couldn't land on one. Look, it's, God has moved in my life. And, I'm, and, and there are people that, have, that I've run into that are, that are atheistic and they say, it's foolish for you to believe in God. And I can honestly look at them and go, are you kidding me? It's foolish for me not to believe in God. And, and, and I am not discouraged by someone who claims to be intellectual because I have learned that I can be intellectual and recognize it makes sense to surrender to the voice of Christ in my life. I, we don't have to chunk our, throw our minds away at the door and come as, as ignorant people. No, we are, it is the wisest and most logical thing to do to believe in Christ. So those of you that are in kids, when you go to college, you get some professor to, that looks at you and looks down on you. And says, how, how can you believe in Jesus? Are you kidding me? Be respectful. But you can honestly look at them and go, how can I not? Oh, man. God speaks through circumstances. And you know where all these are checked? All, all these are confirmed in there. Every one of these places that God speaks, they are checked and confirmed by his word. That's why we need the word of God. That's why I pray you hold me accountable to preach the word of God. Oh, we need his voice. His voice is life. Would you come to him? Would you follow him? Would you turn to him? You know, that's why if you're here today and you don't know Christ, look, if, you're, if you don't know Christ in this room today, the reason God brought you here today is for you to see him. 
come to him. We're going to have an invitation. And, and I pray that we are quick to obey. We are quick to move. And that's why this has got to be a safe place to move. And whether it's getting on your knees right at your seat or whether it's, it's singing with Joe and saying, God, uh, Lord, speak to me, lead me. Or whether it's uh, coming and getting on your knees, grabbing somebody and saying, go pray with me. Uh, Lord, Lord, speak to me. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe you've been flipping about forgiveness. And, and I pray we hear those warnings. Maybe God has said to you, you're close to going too far. Come back. Turn. Stop. Because the warning, the rebuke of God is amazingly gracious. So listen to him.